Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your awesome, awesome, awesome word. Thank you that your word is life to us, God. Your word is food to us. It's food. It nourishes our bodies. It nourishes our souls. Lord, it nourishes our spirits. And today, Lord, we just submit to your word that you have to say to us today, Lord. Father, we thank you for every person that, that made their way here, God. Father, I know that you will honor them by transforming their life today. Father, I thank you that every person that is hearing the sound of my voice, I, that billions of galaxies will be created by them hearing and agreeing with the word today, God. Father, I thank you that, that your word gives life, your word sustains life, but your word also gives us the ability to give life. And so today, Father, as they hear, every area will be changed. Every area of their life will be transformed. I thank you that this is good ground. This is good seed and we are good ground and we declare a hundredfold harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How many of you are excited? It's December. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Christmas. For some, for some it's, they celebrate Christmas Day. For some, they celebrate Christmas week. I know Altia celebrates Christmas month. Like the whole month is Christmas. It's like a birthday. She doesn't have one day as a birthday. She has an entire month. This is my birthday month. Everybody has to wish me on this entire month. So she gives people notice. <laughs> stop it, stop it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's funny, isn't it? That suddenly when we hear it's December, it's like everybody gets into a good mood. Everybody smiles. It's like... <laughs> It's like there's an anticipation of something good happening by the end of the month. It's called your salary. Uh, kidding. We're expecting gifts. We're expecting surprises. There's anticipation, all that kind of stuff. Have you noticed that during Christmas, this season, Christians practice resurrection the most? <laughs> Some of you came in like, What? We resurrect a tree. We give it power. It comes to life. And we decorate it. And then after one month, we put it back again. Every year, at the end of the year, we practice resurrection. Christmas tree resurrection. Every year we do it. It's funny, right? But we don't look at the tree the, the rest of the, the year. It's like we bought it only for one month of the year. Some, like Altia, maybe two months, you keep a Christmas tree. <laughs> but Christmas is really about, <laughs> it's about happiness, it's about joy, it's about being with family, being with friends, but it's also about giving and receiving gifts, isn't it? You're expecting me to say something else. No, that was it. It's about giving and receiving gifts. It's a season, have you ever noticed? Uh, maybe you haven't, but I noticed um, that the, we don't give gifts to the person whose birthday it is. 
Do, is it only me or do you think that's, that's kind of strange? Like it's Jesus' birthday and we're like, hey man, Merry Christmas, here, take this gift. What about Jesus? Have you thought about him? What gift would you give him? You're getting into that, like, hey, just hey, relax, it's okay. <laughs> I know I kind of told you, just watch out for your heart in there. But what kind of a gift would you give Jesus? But it's kind of strange that it's Jesus' birthday, but we give each other gifts celebrating Jesus. We celebrate him by giving love to one another. We share love we call people over, we give them food, uh, we buy them gifts, uh, whether your kids or your parents, whatever. You, there's this exchange of gifts on somebody else's birthday. How come you don't do it on mine? I'm just asking the question. <laughs> I also was born. I was born in a worse state than a manger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, but, but why don't we do it? I mean, think about it. We're in Dubai, right? So is it like today, no response day? Huh? We're in Dubai, right? Yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I thought we were still in heaven. Um, and as soon as the 1st of December hits, it's like the entire city changes. It's like you go to a mall, there's Christmas carols being pranked. I mean, I mean, how awesome is that? We live in such a free city. I mean, you go to the grocery store, I mean, there's Christmas decorations and Santa Claus singing on the, uh, on the music system and everybody's like in a good mood. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bell rock, jingle bells swing, and jingle bells, I'll have that and I'll have that. <laughs> it's like you don't even need it, but the jingle bell song's making you pick up everything from the shelf. But whether... Whether you're a Christian or you're not, if you're a human being, there's something about Christmas that gets you to do things for other people. Christians are they not the only ones who celebrate Christmas. We go, go to the toy store when it's Christmas time. Whether even you're an atheist, you're still buying gifts for your child during Christmas. Everybody, the Bible says that he is the desire of the nations. They just don't know it. We know it. But he is the desire of the nations. And they celebrate Jesus without even knowing him. It's so phenomenal. We don't know exactly the date that Jesus was born. But did we decide 25th, okay, Jesus, today is your birthday. You, we decide you were born today and we'll celebrate today as your birthday, Jesus. But there's something about an exchange of gifts. There's something about giving to people that tells Jesus that we celebrate him. There's something about me buying Chris walking over there a gift. <laughs> right? There's something about buying each other a gift during Christmas or during this, according to Altia, during this month, Christmas month, that, um, that tells Jesus that there's something about him 
there's a value that we have for him by gifting or buying or celebrating each other. How many of you agree with me? I'll ask you a question, not a trick. How many of you like receiving gifts? How many of you like giving gifts? Wow. Nobody said yes, though, but. (laughs) So there's something about that value, about giving gifts to someone that really communicates a value that we have for Christ. This principle that we have of giving each other gifts during Christmas is actually, or your birthday, is actually found in scripture. It's not the Christmas story. But it's found in scripture. This value of giving people gifts, or this value of giving to people, is something that is found in scripture. And I want us to go there today because I'm not talking about giving financially. Please don't think about it because that could be one of the reasons that you're like quiet. (laughs) Because the religious spirit is saying, keep quiet. Don't celebrate that. Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's a religious spirit. Tell you, just just look at him. Mm. Christmas. Turkey. Mm. Roast chicken, stuffing, mm. cake, mm. ginger wine. <laughs> I, get, I get more response when I call out food than I call out spiritual food. I'm taking my time because you need to understand If you don't grab this, you won't get the rest of the message. Giving is something that communicates to God our value for him. If God was insecure, then he would not allow you to love one another. He would only say, love me. Celebrate my birthday, not anybody else. But for us, our God is not insecure. He is so secure that he is he, absolutely fine if on his birthday that you celebrate one another. But when you celebrate one another, he receives your celebration. But this is not only practiced by the church. That's what I'm trying to get at. This is not a Christian thing. This is practiced by everyone. Whatever religion or whatever festival it is of that religion, if you practice giving, he receives it. Because giving is not natural, it's not inherent in us. 
It's something of Him that is in us. If you struggle with giving, there is a disconnect between you and your Creator. I'm not talking financially. I'm even talking about giving someone a compliment. Like Amos, looking awesome today. Again. My gosh. It's just shocking me. With the style is phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> but I want to show you that this aspect of giving, please listen to me. Giving is not a Christian thing. Abraham was a heathen when he gave 10% to Melchizedek. Tithing wasn't even a part of the law. Giving is something that is that God in us appreciates another person. Are you with me? Now, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 25 because Jesus is, give, is teaching us about his kingdom. And he's teaching us about, or he's giving us an illustration about how his kingdom functions, especially in the area of giving. Okay? Are you ready? Yes. Are you good? Yes. Do you have your Bible? Yes. Right. We're going to read from verse 31. This is about judgment today. Verse 31, are you there? Yes. I'll wait for you, everybody to be there. If you're there, say yes. yes. Excellent. Thank you, Amos. I heard you. <laughs> Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory and all the, all the nations will be gathered before Him. And he will separate them one from another as a, she, as a shepherd, <laughs> shepherd, as a shepherd divides his sheep from, his, from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Right, let's just pause there for, for a minute. Let me give you the context of this and then we'll read on. So the context now is Jesus is talking about his kingdom and how his kingdom functions. And he's talking here especially uh, from verse 31, he's talking about his second coming. Say second coming. second coming. So if Jesus has a second coming, that means he came the first time. Right? So when Jesus came the first time, he came with no glory. Say no glory. Okay? He came, he, the Bible says in Philippians that he left his glory in heaven. He left all his power in heaven. He became a human being. He became like you and I and he came to the earth so that he could save us. Okay? But his second coming is a little different from the first. 
you understand? The second coming, Jesus is saying, oh boys, we're going to go there full steam ahead. We're going to go there with all the lights, all the, best, uh, the bells, all the whistles, all the angels, all the holy ones as well. Come on now. Uh, when Jesus comes the second time, the Bible's here, he says, Jesus says, all the nations will come before him. Please listen to me now. The, when Jesus came as a man, he was nothing to look at. That's what the prophet Isaiah says. Which means if Jesus was sitting in a crowd of people like this, you would not recognize him. So he, he, he left his glory in heaven. Everything that made him God, he left it in heaven, came down as a normal human being. He came to be one with humanity. But his second coming, he comes with glory. He comes with so much of glory and he sits on his throne of glory. And all the nations, now please listen to me. He's not talking about Christian nations. He's talking about all nations. Which means every caste, every tribe, every color, every kind. Every, even if you are the most rare of human beings living in some place that nobody has discovered, all of them will come. <laughs> Every one, when Jesus appears, second coming, they will all turn up before him. How they get there, I don't know. But they will turn up before him. And then Jesus says something very strange. Like a shepherd, he separates the sheep from the goat. He brings the sheep on his right and he keeps the goats on his left. Please visualize with me what is happening. And to the sheep, he says, you are my righteous ones. The father has prepared a place for you before the foundation of the world. And now this place is for you. My question to you is, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Jesus came as a human being, which means if you were to see Jesus in a crowd, you wouldn't recognize him. But there's something about Jesus when he comes in glory that even though you're in a crowd, he recognizes you. There's something about you. There's something about you that makes Jesus say, uh, you come to my right. Jesus, my right or your right? My right. Yes. Please, please, stop asking questions. Come this side. Because sometimes we have those analytical people. Lord, according to the angle of your question. So to the righteous, he says, are you listening? He says, come, inherit what God has for you. So which means God has prepared a place for the righteous. I know you are so like deep in revelation that you are finding this like, wow, that's like Pastor John, what happened? <laughs> Trust me, this is, <laughs> wait till your heart crumbles in your hand <laughs> after I have to say what I have to say. So here on the right side, other? He... On the right side, other? 
The righteous ones. You know why they're on the right? Because they're righteous. You can't be on the left and be righteous. On the left, you'll be a leftist. <laughs> or on the left, you'll be left out. But you're on the right. Because you're on the right, you're right. Righteous. So because you're righteous, he takes you and he gives you, he's created eternity for you. It's a blessing for you. What made you righteous? It was the moment that you said, Jesus, I'm done leading my life. I want you to lead my life. From this moment on, Jesus, I surrender my life to you and you become the Lord of my life. I ask you to come and become the Lord of my life. You do that and he rescues you out of darkness. He rescues you out of being a goat and he makes you a sheep. Okay? I love eating goat. As in mutton biryani. I mean, especially Lily who makes it. Oh my God. Absolutely awesome. Sheep biryani. Uh, doesn't, doesn't taste very nice. But there's something, huh? Too much of fat. Too much of fat. That's the problem. Fat is good. That's a, that's a keto revelation. But, but, there's, but there's something, there's also God has prepared a place. Please listen to me now. God has prepared a place for the goats. Those people who have rejected Jesus. Those people who do not receive him as their Lord. Those people who rebel against him. Those people who, even though they know that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is their Savior on a Christmas day. Everybody's celebrating Christmas, but do they know that he is their Savior? That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have now Jesus who, who brings these people and he said there's a place that is created for them. And that place that he sends the goats to is the place that he made for Satan and his angels. Okay, we need to continue reading. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, the Martin Biryani, depart from me, you cursed, listen to this, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never a place for human beings. Hell was never God's intention for man. But it was because they rejected him that the place that was created for the devil is exactly where he's sending them. Now you decide, are you a sheep or a goat? Sheep. <laughs> now you want to be a sheep. For I was hungry, verse 42, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. 
Then they will also say to him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, but the righteous, but the righteous, but the righteous into, into eternal life. So that title of my message, we don't have a screen slide for it, but the title of my message today is The Least of These. Okay? The Least of These. <clears throat> Touch your neighbor and say, actions speak louder than words. Turn to your other neighbor and say, actions speak louder than words. <clears throat> so there's something about Jesus when he sits on his throne there's something about Jesus when you give him glory we're talking about the second coming of Jesus when you give Jesus glory it positions him to come and sit on a throne of glory and when he sits on the throne of glory he favors the one whom he has relationship with Please listen to me. To the unrighteous, the people who do not know Jesus, the people who do not acknowledge him as Lord, who rebel against him, those people, he doesn't know them. But there's, there's something that Jesus uses to gauge your, um, your righteousness or right standing with God or your faith level, he, he gauges it by something called good works. But it's not just any good works. It's good works of the righteous. Do you understand? So there's good works that people can do and there's good works of the righteous. And God is saying, I know you by your good works. Which means there's something that happens to Jesus every time you do something good. Let me just say this. Every time you do something, something happens to God. See, because we don't have the intention of blessing people. We're just being who we are. But there's something that happens to Jesus where God takes it personal every time you do something good. That's why giving gifts to people is something about that triggers God's heart. Every time you give, whether it's financially or to someone in the room or to someone outside, you trigger God's attention. Oh, come on, man. Come on. You gather his attention. You get his attention. He begins to look at you. Why? It's because relationship says that, that I give gifts to someone I know. Have you ever bought a gift for someone you don't know? It's the hardest thing to do. It's like for a pastor, sometimes new people visit us for their birthday, kids' birthday party. I have no clue who they are. I really, they just come to our church for the first time and I have no, what do I buy? What do they like? Like, where are they from? Like, we, we don't know. It's the hardest thing to do to buy a gift for someone you don't know. But it's someone you know. 
It's very easy. I know this person. And I know what they like. I, don't, I know what they don't like. It's easy to buy a gift. But every time we do buy a gift, whenever we do something for people, God looks at it and says, you did it unto it triggers something to God. But there's something about relationship. He recognizes the ones he has a relationship with. See, every time we do a good work, God looks at the intention of our hearts when we do it. For us as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the intention to do good works always comes because God has been good to us. Have you ever tried to be good to someone because you've, nobody has been good to you? Have you had a bad day and been good to someone? Have, have you ever had a bad day and come home with gifts like overflowing? No. We try, but it's like, oh, I had such a hard day. But to the righteous, the reason why we do good works, good works in righteousness, is because we have a God who has first been good to us. We have an intention. We have a, God looks at the intention of our heart that we know. We're not trying to do it because we want to impress God. We're not trying to do it because we want God to do something for us. We're doing it because we know that God has been good to us. We love people because we were first loved. <coughs> and this, it's not the actual work that gets God's attention, but the intention of your heart in the good work that gets God's attention. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It is not your, just your good work that tries to get God's attention, but it is the intention of your heart while you're doing the good work, while you're doing any work, that gets God's attention. It is the intention. If your heart is like, just, just think about this now. If you think God is angry with you, if you think God wants to punish you, if you think that God is, a, is, a, is your master and your commander and you have to do good works in order for you, for, for you to be blessed by God, then you're still in a religious system. That you have a relationship with religion more than you have a relationship with God. But when you have a relationship with God, in, in grace, righteousness says that you have been made right because of the works that Jesus has done on the cross. And so because you are not paying the price, and you know fully well you should have paid the price, but because you get this freedom now, now you can do good things to people because you were, God did good things for you for free. How many understand what I'm saying? So you can, you can come to me and say, well, pastor, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. Yeah. Right? I'm a good person. I do good things. I give to charity. I give to poor people. When I see a beggar on the street, I give good, good things to, um, to, think and, uh, to people. Uh, and and you, you, can, you can be a non-believer or an unrighteous person and still do good. Hello? People outside of the church give more. Than people in the church. Do you understand? 
They give billions and billions of dollars away to charities. But my question to you today is, has what they've given had an impact? Bill Gates, look at his foundation. He's given billions of dollars away. Has poverty been eradicated? It's a good work, man. It's a good work. It has a temporary relief, for sure. And it's a good thing to do. I'm not saying don't do it. It's a good thing to do. But there's a difference between a good work of an unrighteous person and a good work between a righteous person. Because a good work of an unrighteous person does not get God's attention. You can give billions of dollars away. You can give all your money away. You can give your children, your cars, everything away. All your clothes, everything away. And if you're unrighteous, nothing. You're still a goat. <laughs> Do you understand? But something happens when you are brought into the kingdom... That even if you do something small, like giving a bottle of water to a person who needs water, God takes it personally. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. It's different. You, you can have, you can be unrighteous without knowing God and give millions away and not get God's attention. But you can give a two copper coins into a pot and it'll be all you have and you get his attention. Why? The reason why is because it has to do with your faith. Because you can have good works out of your faith in a system or an organization or you can have good works out of your faith in Christ Jesus. You can have faith in an organization that says, um, we're, doing, we're, we're, trying, we're eradicating poverty in, in India, or Africa, or Thailand, and we're doing this, and we're trying to do this, and we need money to rescue uh, all these people, and we need to provide for water, and dig the wells, and do all that kind of stuff, and you can do it, and there's a good work, and it's not a problem. Please don't think I'm, I'm, I'm advocating against that. I'm not advocating against it, but I'm just trying to say that you are a sheep. You're, a, you're righteous. Yes. There's a difference between your work and the work of an unrighteous person. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, and the difference is faith. An unrighteous person can have faith in Bill Gates' foundation. They're building so many toilets for people around the world. Praise the Lord. There's a sanitation problem still in the world. Please. But then there's something about in a righteous person who has faith in Jesus. When, please, it's, it's going to drop very quickly. Something about your faith in Jesus. That when you do a work, when you do a good work, when you buy a gift for someone, you're not just giving it to the person. But your faith in Jesus causes that gift that you gave to bring transformation to the person's life. <coughs> Do you understand? James chapter 2, and, I, and for time's sake, I'm just going to paraphrase it. James chapter 2 says, you know, faith, please listen to me, faith without works is dead. 
So you can have faith. I have faith in Jesus. But you don't have any works for it. Your faith is dead. Oh, come on. Or you can have, you can have works without any faith in Jesus. And it's still dead. You can have works. Ah, you know, I'm doing this. I'm doing that for, the, for God. And I'm doing that. But you have no faith in God. That whatever you're doing, he will bring a change. He will bring transformation. And it's still dead. But there's something about faith with works that communicates to people and to God that you are now a righteous person. Do you understand? You're demonstrating to all of creation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When your faith and your works match each other. You can't say, I believe in Jesus and not lay down your life. You can't say, I believe in Jesus and not give. You can't say, I believe in Jesus and not worship. You can't say, I believe in Jesus and not, not love his church. You can't say, I, I believe in Jesus and not love the poor. You can't say, I, I believe in Jesus and not give to the needy. You can't say, I love Jesus and, and, and not love the angels. I'm just saying an example. I, 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 you, can't, you can't say, I love Jesus and not love the person sitting next to you. Or the person behind you. I can't say in front of you because the front door doesn't have anybody in front. <laughs> Maybe me. <I> don't know. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, your faith, James 2 says, your faith without works is dead. James says, you show me your faith by your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Which means your works are a demonstration of your faith in Jesus. So I'm talking about Christmas season, right? This time we don't just buy gifts because we just want to buy gifts man. Christmas time. You know, oh, so much money. I don't have money. You know, I want to my Christmas time. You know, Christmas, birthday, anniversary all come same time. All of that, all of that grumbling and mumbling. The Lord is listening to it. You thought you were buying your kids a gift? You thought you were complaining about not having money? He takes it personally. Personally. But there's a category that Jesus is talking to today. The category of group of people. He's talking to the righteous and the unrighteous. But there's another category. He looks at the righteous according to your works. Please listen to me. He's sitting on his throne. It's a judgment seat. He's not judging sin. Judging your works. The second coming of Jesus is not about judgment of sin. Because sin was judged on the cross 2,000 years ago. Come on. But it's a judgment of your works. It's a judgment that says, I know you. I can't say, I don't know you. I know everybody. <laughs> Do you understand? I know you. I don't know that one. You come to my left. You come to my right. How, do you, how does he know you? He knows you by two things. Your faith in him and the demonstration of works. It's a demonstration of faith that communicates to God that I know you. 
the reason why I'm doing this. God, the reason why, for example, when we give financially into the kingdom, what we're, what we're demonstrating to God is this, God, I have faith that you are my provider. That's why something that I've been given, I, it's easy for me to give because I am connected, I have faith to the source of endless supply. That's why I can give. Giving financially, whatever it is, your time, your energy, your talents, whatever it is to the kingdom of God is something of a demonstration of your faith. You can't give without faith. And that's what James is trying to tell us. You can't just do works without having faith. You have to have faith. You have to have, but whose faith do you have? And what faith do you have in? Do you understand? For the unrighteous people, it could be faith in an organization. World vision. We're giving everybody eyes. Well, come to our church, man. We also pray for people and give people eyes. Do you understand? But please, I'm not criticizing any organization, but I'm just trying to tell you. Your, your work is different. It's different. There's an everlasting effect to your work. Why? It's because of your faith in God. You think every single dirham that you put into these boxes in this church is not being accounted for? <laughs> come on. Oh, come on, man. Do you think you've come from other churches and sometimes we've said things, oh, you know, look at that pastor. Oh, every week he wears different shoes. <laughs> oh, look at him. He's driving another car now. Oh, where did he get this weird sports car from? Ooh, all that kind of stuff. And we make all these nasty comments, not realizing that whatever you gave into the kingdom, you gave to him. And he decided to bless the pastor. What is your problem? So, I'm not saying your problem, but I'm just pointing. <laughs> but, but my point to what I'm saying is when you grumble, it's a work. When you say something, he's listening. You can't help it. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. To the other ones, he doesn't know. That's like good. Mountain biryani is the end for you. <laughs> but to us, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. But for us, it's a, it's a little different. Because he takes it personal. But see, but here the, the, what I'm trying to say is that you might be just doing a good work. But Jesus is on the receiving end. It's not a person. It's him. Man, if I were to, if I were to hold, just imagine, just imagine, okay? Are you imagining? Yes. Just imagine Jesus is standing here during offering time. And instead of this box, it's his hands. Should we take another offering? give you another chance to prove yourself and your faith. But just, just think about it. We, we don't think about what we do. It's like, okay, now it's offering time. Oh, okay, now it's just like, okay, what is there? Anything? Uh, give, put, take something, whatever's there, just whatever, just put it. Not realizing 
He's looking at the intention of your heart when you're walking step by step to this place. And he opens his hand out. And the value, <laughs> the value that you have for him is determined in the intention of your heart when you give. Do you understand? You're not clapping, but that's okay. We think that we're giving to a church. We're giving to his body. I think we'll never, we will give differently from now on. It's a season of giving. Why do, Chris, why do Christians give only during Christmas season? For the righteous, the Bible doesn't really talk about a season of giving. <laughs> do you understand? There's no season of giving. We're the, we're the righteous. Giving is natural to us. And I'm not just talking about money. I just use that as an example. But every time you do something, anything, you give something, anything that costs you, it, it's of value. You give it away, it's, uh, he takes it. But when he takes it, he sees the intention of your heart. But the beauty about Jesus is that he identifies, please listen to me, he identifies himself with the receiver. Not the giver. How do I know that? Philippians says this, he left his glory and he came and became like one of the least of these. He chose to become like you, Chris. He chose to become like you. He made the choice. So which means he took your sin. He took your sickness. You gave it to him. The day you became righteous, he took your sin. He, you should have paid the price, but he paid the price instead. He took it. He became nothing like you and I, so that you and I can become something. If you feel, you're, if you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus today and by grace you've been, you've been saved through faith and you're sitting in this room and you feel like you are nothing, it means that you have no faith in Jesus. If you feel like you have no worth, then you have not got a revelation of how much he thinks about you. How much he loves you. How much he values your existence. If you think all the world's problems are yours, just think about him. He was the one who created the world. And he became like you and I to take these problems away so that you can live in the blessing that he has for you. He wants to take it away 
Sometimes we don't want to give it to him because we like to have a reason to complain. <laughs> like to moan and bicker and God, I don't know, came to church and the AC was too cold, God. That's why I couldn't lift my hands up. But Jesus identifies with you. Now, there's a group of people that he's talking to. Are you ready? There's a group of people. Do you want to know that group of people? Let's read it. Verse 35. For, for I was hungry. So, I was hungry. I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I was naked, I was sick, I was in prison. See, when we talk about <clears throat> the least of these, my brethren, when we talk about the least of these, when, what picture comes to your mind? It's like a beggar on a street. A person who, who, who does not have money, a person who asks people for money, a person who ha has torn clothes and all that kind of stuff, does that make you a better person? If they are the least, then who are you? See, because according to social standards, just because you sit in an AC environment, wear good clothes, and you're not on the streets, says that you think that you're better off. Just because you, you have fairer skin than other people. <laughs> Just because you come from a country that is prosperous, you think you are better off? See, but Jesus is really not talking about social status here. He's not talking about people who live below the poverty line. Come on now. He's not talking about a beggar on the street. He's not, he's not saying that that person is the least of these my brethren. He's not. What he's talking about or what he's describing are conditions that people live in. It's not a social status. It's a condition. Sickness is not a social status. It's a condition. Debt is not a social status, it's a condition. Poverty is not a social status, not a standard. It's a condition that people live in. A beggar is, is somebody who begs on the street because of a condition. So Jesus is really not talking about social standards here, not social status. Oh, you know, I'm the pastor. I have to dress up like this. I have to be, you have to be there. I have to be here. Oh, you know why? Because you're the least of the be. God has called me to serve the least. So you're the least and I'm here to serve the least. Do you understand? We create this rubbish revelation out of our, our, our carnal understanding. But Jesus is really not talking about that. He's saying the, the least, the one that he, listen to me, the one that he became is the one he's describing here. He's not describing a person who's begging on the street. He's talking about his condition that he took. He's not talking about 
the separation between a, a poor person and a rich person, a person who has a lot of money and a person who has nothing, and is constantly begging for money and waiting for all that kind of stuff. But he's talking about, hey, I became that person's condition so that that person can have my condition. Come on, wow. yes. Come on now. That's why he's saying here. The righteous ask him, Lord, when were you in church? Lord, I didn't know you came to church today. I was there. I wish I knew. I was sitting next to you, dude. You were next to me? No, that was my wife. Yeah, exactly. But Lord, come on, you can't, no, no way, not her, <laughs> not my kids, oh my God, Lord, come on, please. We're like, yeah, that was me. But Lord, do you know the condition? Do you know them? Yeah, exactly, I became that. I became that condition. Do you think you're better off because you don't have that condition? What is your condition? Because whatever condition you have, he already became that condition. He became that condition so that he can get you out of it. See, when we give, what we're trying to say is, God, I recognize that you have become that condition. And when I give a gift to someone, I'm investing, oh, come on. I'm sowing value or worth into the transformation of their condition. Oh, man. Come on, I, I hope that you, you understand this word. This is a very, very important word. I'm not talking about mission strips because mission strips has become something of a, some sort of celebrity thing that, you know, people go out, oh, I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to do this. Well, hey, hello. What happened to all the Africans in Africa? Right? What about all the people in Africa? Why are they not doing mission strips in Africa? And people say, well, you know, pastor, you know, I really believe that God has called you to do stadiums in India. Well, I'm like, great, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for the word. But what happened to all the Indians? In India, God called me here. God called me to life. God called me to serve the condition. <laughs> so that I can condition you and bring you out of your conditions. <laughs> there is no social standard or status in the kingdom of God. When we think there's a poverty line, Jesus says to the poor, you will always give. But I would love to give to a poor person in such a way that brings them out of poverty. That changes the, the condition or the environment that they live in. That's when the kingdom has come. Not Give me a take. Oh, yeah, one, one, five, one. Please, okay, take. You want, okay, take. Okay, how much you want next time? Okay, you take. Keep taking, keep taking, keep taking. 
And they'll be like, yeah, man, this is the kingdom of God. I keep receiving, keep receiving. What a good God. What a good God. What a good God. Good. God is good until he says no. Right? <laughs> like, God, I, I, want to, I want to go to Mesopotamia. No, just stay here. No, but you call me to preach, but yeah, but I'm, I want to do, I want to preach the gospel. This is Paul in the book of Acts. I want to go and preach. You call me to preach. You call, this is what you call me to do. No. <sighs> Most people will give up. Paul stayed. He stayed. You know, there was something that, uh, there's a word that Ricardo taught me. It's called makfas in South African. And it means that no matter what, I'll never leave. We'll be tight. Makfas. 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 Come on, man. Makfas. Makfas. See, because a lot of people are very conditional with their relationship with God. Today, I use shampoo. <laughs> no conditioner. So my hair's not bouncy. Oh my God. My hair fell flat. I'm not having a good day. And so because of that, I cannot lift my hand and worship Jesus. And I wait for, a, for an emotional moment in worship. I say, Jesus, take my life. Take it all. It's like, how many times would you give me your life? You have one life to give. Whatever your condition is today, 2,000 years ago, he became that condition. 2,000, not right now. 2,000 years ago, he became your condition. So that 2,000 years ago, you were free from that condition. Please, yeah. Sickness is illegal in your body. Poverty or, or not having money is an illegal acceptance. See, we don't know, you know. Some people, the reason why they beg on the streets is either their choice or life just, sometimes life just sucks. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. You, you can't, it's just, you're just, life throws you a curveball and you missed it and it hit your head and now you're knocked out. <laughs> and now you're on the street. You, it's, it's, it's not God's plan for you. Come on, man. You can't say it's God's plan. God's plan is for you to prosper. God's plan is for you to, to, that every place your foot shall tread, he will give it to you. It's not the place for you to be in. The condition that he designed you to be is for you to be prosperous. Not begging and asking people for money. Please. He did not, you either it was your choice or life just happened. But if life happened, that condition was changed 2,000 years ago. Amen. It's not like, okay, now God, pray for, pray for me, pastor, pastor, pray for me, change the condition now, now. Change. Wah, bam, fire, change condition, okay, change condition. 
Use a different conditioner, wife. Come on. <laughs> hey, growth, come on. Bam, this happened. Weight loss, come on, change the condition. Happened now. No, you already lost your weight 2,000 years ago. Your condition was changed on the cross 2,000 years ago. <laughs> You're the righteousness. You're the sheep. You're a sheep. You're right. But see, sometimes when you think you have a right, <laughs> um, the tendency is to do the wrong things and think that you have a right to do it. Why? It's because I'm righteous. No, you're foolish. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue. Brain bent, but that's okay. You listen to the recording. I'm not going to repeat it again. But you, you must understand that everything that we do as the righteousness of God in Christ, there's someone on the receiving end. It's not a person. It's Jesus. And it's not just financial. It could be a hug at the door. It could be a smile. It could be just saying, oh man, it's so good to see you today. Going to your boss that you hate so much. <laughs> Going to, oh, if, the, if you're the boss, then your condition is really bad. <laughs> go, to, go to your boss and say, it's so, so nice to see you today. Thank you for coming to the office. And just ignore his response. <laughs> just ignore what he has to say. Because he's not saying it to you. See, when your boss gives you a salary increase, do you think he's giving you a salary increase? He has his own condition to deal with. That's not your problem. Your problem is to change every person's condition that you come across without looking at their social status, without looking at their race, without looking at any of these things that, 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 that human wisdom says that separates people. Yeah. yeah. Your responsibility is to see one color, and that color is Christ. Christ. Only one color in the kingdom. A couple of years ago, I was uh, listening to, um, have you heard of Bobby Connor? He's a prophet. Yeah. I was, few people? Good, then you'll understand my story. Just like, just pretend I was the one. <clears throat> so I was listening to him share this story on one of his teachings. And uh, he, was, he, he went into this church that where, uh, it was, the church was like a mini stadium. <laughs> you know, how, how many of you, I've been to one of those kind of churches it's called Hillsong. It's like a mini stadium. It's like people get lost. You can't even see them. Even on a camera can't see them. Uh, and uh, and, and he, he went into one of those kind of churches and he was the main speaker. And there were, it was a conference, so there were many mighty men and women of God who we know. And, um, and he was one of the speakers. And so he, before the service, he came in a little early and he was walking around the room and, you know, Bobby was just being Bobby and saying hi to everybody. And, 
uh, all of that. And the worship was just about to start. Like the band got on stage and, you know, they did their prayer huddle before the service starts. And they, they were, they're ready, they're starting the guitar, keyboard comes on, all that stuff. And Bobby's like, okay, now I need to go to the front because that's my seat. And that's the seat that was given to him. And so he said, but something in my heart was tugging me to go to the back. He's like, I, I needed to function, but something was saying go to the back. And so he went to the back of this room, and there was this beggar that was sitting at the back. Now, it's a church meeting. It's a conference, and all these people are celebrating. Everybody's coming to the front to meet all the main guys, and they're, they're like, wow, you know, it's so good to be here. Pray for me, all that. You know, they do all that Christian stuff. And so... <laughs> And, and so Bobby went to the back. And there was this man sitting there, and nobody went to him because he was sitting down with his head almost between his knees. And he was sitting down dejected. And, and Bobby looked at him, and he, he's, he was like, yeah, this guy is, is a beggar. I don't know how he came in here because you need to pay to come into this conference. So I don't know how he came in here, but he came in here smelling and matted hair, all of that stuff. And so Bobby just felt in his heart that he just needs to go and tap the guy on the shoulder and say, it's so good to see you today. It's amazing, isn't it? So he went, he tapped on the guy's shoulder, and he says, hey, so good to see you today. And that bigger man lifted up his eyes and looked at him, and it was Jesus. And he says, no, Bobby, it's nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> How many times have we walked into these rooms? And we sit next to people, the same people. The same condition. But we look at their condition and we treat them differently. Or we look at their condition as being someone who's poor and give them extra attention, which is also bad. But sometimes we miss Jesus sits at the back of the church. Jesus is not just in the front, he's all over this room. Bobby decided to go to Jesus, to that man he didn't know was Jesus, and hoped that he could say hi to him and change his condition. But that man was Jesus, changed Bobby's condition. I'm reminded of this, this story in the book of Acts, in Acts 3. Peter and John are going to the temple to worship God. And they're passing by this temple, they're passing by this gate. And please listen to me, these are, where, these are moments where you will find conditions. They're passing by this gate called Beautiful, and they look 
at a beggar who's lame. As a lame man who's a beggar. It's, a, it's such a contrast, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we try, when we're painting walls, we're like, okay, one wall has to be a contrast wall. You know what that is? Right? Contrast wall. Wow, that looks good. Wow, that's just like focus of the house, you know, as you end and all that kind of stuff. We think about that. But in the Bible, God hides conditions where there's a contrast. Do you understand? There's a contrast. Get beautiful. And there's an ugly sight right there. There's a beggar. See, for us, it's ugly. But to the righteous, it's just a condition. To the world, there's a social standard that says this is a beggar outcast. Just, no, 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 he can't come in here. He's smelling. He can't come to my house. Ah, this brings bad odor, nah, nah, all that kind of stuff. But the reason why he's in that place is because of a condition. And so these two disciples now see a man in a condition. They don't see a poor man. They don't see a man that says, ooh, ooh, okay, 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 oh, well, here, what, take, take a coin. That's for you. Have a good day. I walk away. So Peter looks at the man and says, <laughs> it's like Chinese whispers. So the guy looked at Peter as if Peter was going to give him some money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. That's my condition right now, brother. Brother, I don't have any money. Like this is what you want to appease you right now. I don't have that. But what I have is is not silver and gold, but it's something that can get you out of that condition. So he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He could have given him money, but he changed his condition. When you change a person's condition, the condition is the reason why they're in that place. Oh, come on. The condition, he was born lame from birth. It's a condition. He didn't make a choice. Okay, I'm going to become lame from today. Tie my legs together and walk around. <laughs> Do you understand? He didn't put it on himself. Life threw a curveball at him. Don't know. Mother ate raw fish. Mercury level was there. And then the legs went. I don't know. Whatever reason. But this man was lame from birth, and he could not do what normal people can, can do, which means go to work and come back and, and get, provide for his family. He couldn't do it, so he relied on the, the crumbs that fall out from people's pockets. Sometimes I feel like we treat God's offering box like crumbs that fall out of our pockets. And so here these two guys have no gold, no silver, but what I have to give you carries more value than any amount of money that I can give you. Do you understand? A lot of people ask me for money, but they never ask me for a word to get out of their condition. A lot of people come to church thinking that this is Mother Teresa's home. So people think that, you know, church is a place where they, we, everybody gives money and it's offering time and everything. And so that offering belongs to them. 
And they think the money is for them. And so they, 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 they have this righteous indignation that I'm a Christian, so you have to give me. No, uh, let, me, let me explain something to you. You know the electricity and these things? They're all paid for. They don't, like, they don't appear. <laughs> you know? Where do you think it comes from? This, the, the crumbs that fall from your pocket. Do you understand? That's how we treat it. But we expect, oh, you know, there's righteous indignation. We have to do, you have to give. You have to. No, I don't have to. But what I have to give you is not gold or silver. But I can give you a word that will change the condition that you will live in so that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you understand? Jesus was not just talking to Christians who have these conditions. He's talking about every single person. John 3.16 does not say, God so loved the church that he sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I'm, I'm pleased, please don't think that I don't give. Kelsey and I, we live to give. We give freely. When we don't hold anything back. But that money does not belong to me. It belongs to him. I'm a steward. I'm accountable to him for it. So if he tells me to wake up 4 o'clock in, in the morning to go to someone's house and give them the money at 6 o'clock, I have to do it. Not because that person asked me to, not because they have a bill that is pending. If your bill, if there's any circumstance or situation in your life that I can change by speaking a word, you don't need money for it. Don't need money for it. We can create a galaxy by speaking the word. Why? It's because that's our demonstration of our faith. Our demonstration of our faith is in the good works that we do. Now, please don't think that I'm not saying don't do good works. Please, you must do good works. You must give. You must you look at people who, who are... Uh, who are in impoverished situations, and, and, but you have to do it with wisdom. Don't encourage poverty. Help them to get out of poverty. Have you heard of that thing? Don't give a fisherman another fish. Teach a person to fish, and then they will fish, and they will have food to eat. We need to have wisdom in how we do things. And, and righteous people, God looks at how you the intention of your heart when you are trying to change the situation. The reason why God answers people's prayers is not because they are praying to him, but they are making a declaration to change a situation. Every time a person comes to me, before they try to impress me with their sad story, I give them a word. Because your long story about all your problems, I don't need to know. They didn't, John and, John and Peter did not sit with the beggar on the side of the street and say, what's up, buddy? How's life? Oh, what to say? My condition really sucks. I've been here all my life. They're like, okay, brother, I will say a special fasting prayer for you. <laughs> I fasted now. <laughs> now there's power in my prayer, and so I'll say a fasting prayer to God for you. You will become a little 
stupidly religious when it comes to stuff like that. You know, you look at a, you look at a condition, and your words can change it. Any condition. Any condition. Why? It's because you're speaking the very word that has the ability to change their situation. Okay? Let's stand up. Stand up. Really good. You did good today.